I, I thought that maybe we could do like an in medias res kind of thing today. But never mind. Ah! ah. Because we were having that conversation. Ah! Um, I was just gonna say, I can't believe we are now in 2023. Wow. We are. It's so wow. crazy in 2023. Now everyone's using the word rad. Yeah. Well, I'm already using the word rad. I thought you were gonna mention the flying people. Yeah. But I guess not. I mean, I'm more concerned about those people. You know, I we you listened to our last episode. You know, I'm a big fan of Avatar: The Way of Water, but I'm not a big fan of this new Navi TikTok challenge where people are just dumping blue paint on their dogs. That's not cool, mm. guys. Come on. Yeah, especially because there are no dogs in Avatar Two. Like there's there were even dogs in the first one. There's, no, there's one yeah. shot of them when Quaritch is in the jungle. And it's like, oh, all right, I guess you wanted to show me you updated that model. All right, moving on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but Well, here's my thing about the article that you sent me earlier, which is I need I should read it all because it just seems like good fun. It's but follow it's people, up to our last episode. Yeah, if, you, if you're just joining us now because you're German or something, our last episode was about Avatar 2 and we were talking about James Cameron. And uh, you, then you sent me an article that had different celebrities, like, sending him questions, and it was just fun, and I should read it. Um, but then you sent me a part of that that said he doesn't do long shots because he's not that auteur that he wants to call attention to things. And I thought about that, and he does that in Avatar 1. There are shots like that. I just... I mean, I it, think, though... Because the question, that, that question is particularly an answer to, I believe, um, Guillermo del Toro, where the implication is like he, I think, I don't remember how the question's worded, but he's like, he's talking about, you know, del Toro's, um, you know, the three amigos. So he's talking about like Curon and like that style of Warner. He's like, that's just not me, which I would agree. I'd say a Curon style of Warner. I think he's more of like the Spielberg Warner where it's like, oh yeah, Spielberg did it. But um, besides Tintin, you don't ever actually notice, oh, he just did it, you know? So yeah, that's, that's how I view Cameron, yeah. James. Well, yeah, I, I know. I get the sentiment. You're like, like I listen to our last that. episode if you yeah. if you want to know what more I felt about all of that. Yeah, but that's but in the past now. 2022, I have, dead. I have two topics 2023, alive. We could do what? What two topics of conversation we could do? We could talk about a movie I watched, or we could do dream therapy. Which one do you want to do? <laughs> What the hell is dream therapy? <laughs> I tell you a dream and we try to interpret what it means. <laughs> oh, cool. I'm actually one of those people. I don't think dreams are boring. I'm very pro I remember dreams. I had a friend in high school. I 100% would have on for cars, too, if I knew how to help track him down. Last I heard, he was married in France somewhere. But um, That'd be a big get. Yeah. Uh, somewhere in France, to be clear. Not like France whatever, like Texas, you know. <laughs> But anyway, uh, oh okay. But and, uh, and not the town of somewhere in France, but somewhere in France with a lowercase s. He used to always say to me, he'd be like, I'd be like, I had this crazy dream last night. He's like, he'd be like, Daniel, did you know that statistically speaking, dreams are the single most boring conversation you could have with another person? And I was like, yeah, but I'm still gonna tell you. And he's like, fine. That he was like the like, only other guy who like, did that theater sounds like and the choir. Kind of thing that you know, you know, someone like, who's a great conversationalist would say. Sorry, go on. Well, I don't know. He's a good, he was a good guy. I, there's a couple friends of mine from high school. I'm always like, I should reach out to them. But he's one that was never really on Facebook, so I have no idea how I could reach out to them. So it's like, well, 
I, he's probably just gone to the wind. But I remember, like, he was the other person who did choir and theater who was a dude. So naturally, we hung out a lot for the first... And then his senior year, he was like... No, actually, no, I think it was his junior. He just stopped doing it. He's like, I was only doing because my sister was making me do it. Now he's she's not here, so I don't have to do it anymore. I was like, all right, that's fair. He was still pretty chill. He was pretty chill. I haven't talked to him since senior year. Um, we invented a card game called Rokago Way and Only Real Men Play. That was the Hell yeah. of it. Oh, he's my friend who vandalized Wikipedia once. Vandalized by doing what? Um, he went on... I can't remember which composer it was because we were in advanced choir. And he uh, he edited the... Uh, I don't know. I really don't know the composer. But we were just making fun of how dumb he... like. Basically, it's how dumb people dress in the 1700s. <laughs> and he edited it in the personal life section... A little known fact about him is that he is a cross dresser, and this was this caused massive issues throughout his career. And he got ba- IP banned from Wikipedia because of that. Because there was a, a music admin who was like, "What are you doing?" Lamau. <laughs> um, yo, so, it's good. What, but, what does that mean? Does that mean he, like he could not edit it anymore? Or he yeah, was, it was like, like his computer was like just blocked from editing Wikipedia. Um, oh, okay. Because they're like you've you vandalized it, and it's like I've been we've been uh, not vandalized, but you know if you go on the uh, Wikipedia page for the affairs of Cellini, you might see some viral advertisement for our podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the other thing, uh, well, actually, no, the thing that's interesting about you bring up choir is actually that leads me into my dream. All right, this is um, let me give some nice backstory on Danny's choir days. Is my when I was in eighth grade, you tested into the choir you wanted to get in your, you know, in high school. And I was, I'm not, I think, Mark, you're well aware, I'm not very good at dancing or moving my body. Um, so uh. I was like, I do not want to be in show choir, but I auditioned and I made it into the advanced choir that they were launching just that year. And I'll explain why it was just that year when we get to it called Camerata. Um, and it was really cool. We had a teacher named Mr. Brush who just did apparently a reunion in Chesterton, like oh, my, my hometown that I would have gone to if it wasn't the same day as my play. So obviously I'm going to go to the play I wrote instead. Um, he was a cool kind of mean guy, but he loved, basically if you were in the choir, he liked, he liked you. That's how it worked. So for the, the advanced show choir and the advanced choir, he loved it. And I remember he explicitly told us multiple times, like my whole goal the entire time I've been here is that we've had three choirs. We've had show choir, girls show choir, and then just choir. And I've always wanted to have an advanced choir so I can do all this cool, like, weird stuff that I could never get, like, teach the kids who are just taking choir as, like, their music course. Um, Like, I remember we did this really great acapella of, um, what was it? I don't know. It was like a folk song. But it was really good. So anyway, um, he leaves after my freshman year. <laughs> uh, for a multitude of reasons. Um, a lot of people didn't like him. He was gay in Indiana. So, you know, that that, that puts a target on your back anyway. Let alone he being a mean gay person in Indiana who doesn't like kids. Who teaches at a high school. Uh, but he got a job in California. I don't even think he was teaching in California. I think it was like... Or I don't think he was teaching like high school. I think it was like... I don't know. I don't remember what it was, but he, he moved out to California. And the issue was, 
was my junior year with my advanced courses, I didn't have the, I had like a required advanced course during the camarada period. So he said, he's like, all right, Danny, I'm going to put you in the lower choir, but we all know you just did a a year here. It's on your transcript. So whoever replaces you is going to put you in charge there. And the person who put me in charge there, who was there, did not put me in charge. She just treated me like one of the guys who's taking choir as a, you know, and that's why I don't sing anymore. Uh, Basically, is I got put in the shitty choir and got treated like I belong there, even though I knew I didn't because the teacher I had my first year I respected way more than the one my second year. So the dream I had was I I went to uh I went back home, right? And I went to a play that my friend directed. Like my friend who wrote who's directed Murray and Kent, he directed it at his high school that he grew up in. And I saw in the audience my teacher who was the teacher who replaced the choir teacher who ended up directing me in Greece, Beauty and the Beast, and Susical. Um, and I remember just being like, I'm begging you. Uh, like in my dream, I'm like, please just give me a part next year. I'm coming back. I'm coming back to school. And I really just want to have parts in your shows because come on. And she's like, I don't want to do it. I'm like, come on, just, just watch this and see what I can do. And then what she watched was, I remember in the dream, it was like called promising young woman i think uh it was more like a the stage production of something we saw my junior year of or maybe it was my no it was my sophomore year your freshman year of college and then i was like please just give me a part next year and watch this and i wasn't even in the play i just sat there watching with her and when it was done she looked at me and she was like all right if you come back you can and i felt very sad that i didn't like have a concrete answer and then i woke up and i was like wait a second that's high school I'm talking about going back to. <laughs> that was my dream. Mm-hmm. Well, how did you feel about that? Because I usually feel like the dream itself is not indicative of very much, but after you wake up, you can be like, why was I so attached to this person? Or I felt well, really I think, sad about that or something like that, you know? I remember, um, I remember once I did say, um, I remember once the first time I visited, I think... Everyone, dang, we're getting to like looking into ocean stuff with just my dream therapy. But that thing, it is dream therapy. So it's welcome to dream. <laughs> welcome to part. the dream therapy corner, everyone. <laughs> uh, I, I don't have any musical instruments near me. This is something we do every time. <laughs> I don't have any. I want to do like a. Oh, I have my tambourine just out of reach. Well, okay, dream therapy. Um, I remember the first time I went back to high. Cause I, I, I think everyone. Maybe, maybe this is an Indiana thing. There's a lot of things like, I think everyone does this and everyone's like, what are you talking about? I think everyone visits their high school their freshman year of college a couple times. I remember the first time I went back, I was like on a mission to like, not really make amends, but like be like, hey, I'm in college now and I've moved past these things and I want to thank you for something I've heard you don't think you did. Or in other cases, be like, hey, I think we both did stuff wrong, but I'm apologizing so I can have closure. Uh, cause I still have to apologize even if you don't. And then that person apologized anyway, even though I still have bitter memories. <laughs> but you know, closure's a lie. <laughs> At least that type of closure is to me. So wait, they apo- but someone one apologized I... to you after you went back? No, I went back, apologized to her, and then she was like, yeah, you know, I was kind of a jerk too. 
It's like, all right, well, in the view you thought you were really jerk, you could have just apologized to me. I don't, I don't actually care that much. It's just to me, it's like the whole idea of like it being like, yeah, this definitely solved. I don't know. I don't want to be like closures is a myth, but I do think certain closures are. Um, I. But yeah. one of the things I was always gonna say was I was I went to visit the choir room, and I remember I was like, I'm going here to tell her that I actually think I was extremely depressed my last semester of high school, and the thing that had me going through it was working on her play. And I feel like that'd be, like, something she doesn't expect to come from me, like, something that's sincere. And then, like, I'll finally have closure on this weird friendship where I can't... Not friendship, but teacher relationship where I can't tell if this teacher hates... Like, makes fun of me behind my back or, like, just thinks I'm a weird kid. So I was like, I'm going to finally do that. But then I just kind of sat around talking to other kids. And then... Well, it wasn't even that. It was like I went to talk to her and she was talking to all these other kids. I'm like, I'm not going to ask her to, like, come talk to me separate because that's weird. And when she's in the middle of a choir class. Oh, no, it was during, like, study hall. But it's like, I'm, I'm not going to do that. that that's weird. Mm-hmm. Like, if she was in her office right now and I just went in to talk to her, that's different. But, like, her being out here, like, talking to other kids, like, nah. We're not, I'm not going to, like, I need to talk to you in private. And so I never did that. So I'm like, maybe it's that. That's what this is about. It's like, I never got closure and found out if she liked me. And it's haunting me now. Um, What? What is this now? Over? No, not 10 years later. <laughs> that's, thank God, not 10 years. Like, seven years later. Mm-hmm. Um. And then it's also like, eh, I don't really like her that much also. So it's just like this weird thing. It's like, why am I still searching for approval from someone I don't like? Mm-hmm. Question. Yeah. I don't know. That's the dream therapy. I don't know. Mark, you, your job is to be dream therapist. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, uh, I, I don't know. I don't think off the, off the top of my head, I, w- I was really hoping that that would remind me of a time in my life when that has happened to me. But I think that all of the long-term stuff that has been something that I think required closure has really not been solved by closure, but it's just about like filling my life up with other things so I forget about the thing that I thought required closure, you know? So you don't have like you don't have closure with these people, but they become like less central to your life and less. Yeah, part but then of they the pop up in a dream like things. seven years later and you're like, oh no, I didn't do it. Well, yeah, but I mean, I don't know. You don't don't you have do you not have some control of your dreams? I have I feel like I I don't know. I don't want to That's a type now, of dream. Now we're normally I don't. Because I, I don't I don't I think that it would be foolish of me to say like Oh, I definitely get around and do things in my dreams, but I also just, I don't know, I, I usually have like a fun adventure time in my dreams, and so I'm like, I don't know, if someone told sh- you, hmm? sorry, sorry, go on, no, go on, go on, I had something I was going to say about dreams, but no, go on, I want to know where the dreams go. No, it's just that, like, I think about that, it's, it's interesting that it's come up after all this time, but, you know, you're... You are a new man, and you you have the respect of others now. You don't need the respect of this one random person. Did I ever tell you, um, well, let me ask you a question, Mark. If you could have a superpower, what would your superpower be? Trust me, this is related. Ooh, okay. Um, <laughs> uh, I'll just say flight, because it popped into my head first. So... Here's my answer. You can ask it back if you want to sound formal. Well, no, no, no. This is related. Trust me. Trust me. Ask it back. I'll give you the answer I normally give. Well, well, Danny, uh, what if you 
want wanted a superpower, what would it be? Well, it depends. Am I a superhero or a supervillain? <laughs> that is very important. Well, you're See, you that's and you're what I say. It's, like, it's super important. You're a character like, in Watchmen. So I'm a villain. All right. Okay. So my super. So if you're curious, just so I say, I'm actually told superhero. It's like I had a superhero I invented as a kid named Temple Man, where he put his hands in a radioactive shower, but the first time it was too hot, and the second time he used his other hand, it was too cold. So one hand can freeze things, and the other hand can melt things. Oh, that's and fun. If he blows his hands together. It makes a tornado because hot and cold air combine to make a tornado. This was mind blowing to six year old Danny. But if I was a super villain, which is more my answer usually, is I wish I could enter other people's dreams, like in that SpongeBob episode. Not like Inception. It needs to be like that SpongeBob episode, and it needs to be like I can com- completely control every aspect of the dream and how much they remember of it, and they need to not be aware I'm in control of it. That would be my supervillain power. I think it'd be a very nice manipulative power to have to completely mess with people's minds. <laughs> sort of. I've never had the kind of. I, I don't. I mean, I've had very few of the kind of dream that if it got like so out of hand, it would mess with my brain. I don't know. I, I've never. I can't. I can't remember. I think you can manipulate people with dreams. I've seen Inception. Okay. I also think you can manipulate. I think sometimes I put a lot of stock into dreams. Um, I remember once uh, there was this girl I was really into my junior, no, my senior year of high school, and we had a date, which I'm sure will come up on this podcast again at some time because I do think it's one of my best stories about going to the movies with other people and why I don't do it a lot anymore unless it's like Julius. <laughs> but um, but you know, it, like most things, it didn't actually work. But then, like, I remember my, I think I, I think you were there for this, my summer of my college, and like, after college, I had a dream one night about her, and I was like, oh my gosh, it's so messed up, and I'm, I think I'm not over this, and I'm still in, like, the kind of same thing I'm talking about right now, even though I think the thing I'm talking about right now is way less, I didn't have, I'm not actually freaking out of this dream, at this, I was like, why am I thinking about that, like, right now, I'm into other people right now, this is bad, and then I go on her Twitter, and the first thing I see is... Guys, you don't have to like him, but destroying Donald Trump's star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame is not cool. He's your president, too. And I'm immediately like, all right, I'm good. I'm good. I'm fine. I do I'm kind totally of remember right something like that happening. <laughs> wow. It's, yeah. it's, it's nice that your dream alerted you to go check up on her and then be like, oh, I can cut her out of my life. Exactly. And it was a, I think it was a good, uh, good call. Good call, you know? Yeah. Um, better better not... All right. Hmm. No, sorry. What were you going to say? I'm actually curious. What were you going to say? Better not what? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I, what was, I was saying something earlier, which was I, I don't put much stock in dreams, but I do think they're fun. I, I, really, I really... and That's like part of the reason that I enjoy like a Saturday off or something like that is because... You wake up and then you get to go back to sleep and then you have that like supercharged dream for like three hours or so and that's like fantastic. Um, but it doesn't, I mean, they don't mean very much to me. You know, movies are dreams that we n- never grow up. I don't know. Movies are, Michelle yeah. Williams in the Fableman's trailer. <laughs> Oh. It's in the movie too. It's like actually like the third line of the movie. It's very weird. It gets it out of the way so quickly. I gotta see the Fablemans. I'll I'll get out there. 
It's good. Yeah. It's good stuff. I want to see Seth Rogen be a love interest. Well, I don't think this is the movie for it. You could watch Longshot. The Charlie's is the Ron rom-com he was in. Oh, yeah. It's not that good of a movie. It was a six six out of ten. Oh, okay. You thought I was going to say six out of five. It didn't happen. No, I just I, I don't know. Seth Rogen, Charlize Theron. I like her. How was your last two days? Um, I mean, your right. last week at it's, the end of twenty twenty three. It's crazy. The flying people have been really wild. Um, and the the dog challenge. Yeah, the dog. <laughs> We're both ending <laughs> our own thing. <laughs> the dog yeah, no, the dog the dog <laughs> challenge has been a lot to adjust to. Um, especially around here because they have all like the tiny dogs. So people are buying, you can get at the bodega, like your little, uh, like eight ounce can of paint. Your Navi spray. Yeah. Yeah. You're not. <laughs> what do you think they, what? They, they, well, I'm sure they do the spray at like Home Depot or whatever, but it's, it's not, everything over here is much more do like you, pint sized. You know what I want, really wonder? I'm sorry to bring it back to Avatar, but, like, how do they do the makeup? You know? Like, they get them so blue, they get the ears so perfect. How do they do the makeup on those characters? This is... And they've never... The first one wasn't nominated for Best Makeup, I don't think, so... What's up? Like, it looks so good. I think they're... Like, they look like real aliens. Well, I think... I think that, like, Avatar came out before the big push to market things as not being CGI... So I think that's just an oversight on their part. Like, they didn't know that that was something they could, you know, push It's funny you point that out, because I, I have noticed that, because I get the For Your Consideration ads, that all the ads for Avatar very much are like, here's the BTS footage, there are humans on set always, please nominate us for cinematography. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, oh, I mean, it's a, it's all such nonsense. I did, I, I am my food rewatched lately my the last few days has been lord of the rings and man oh man when they blow up that the helm's deep wall that is awesome practical effects um but i'm i don't particularly fall on one way or another about that argument um my last two days i had a gig on new year's that fell through so now i not only did I go shopping for a trench coat at a thrift store, and I found one. Nice. Which I was going to use for the gig, because it was a, an acting gig. And I have a really, like, nice trench coat now that I got for, like, nothing. But I have New Year's off, and that means I get to do my sometimes tradition. I would like to make it a thing whenever I feel like it. I don't know. It's something I did, like, I've done, like, two years. I like it. It's watching Attack of the Clones and making pizza. That's great. <laughs> great. Yeah. Dexter Jetster. Obi-Wan. <laughs> um, yeah, man. I don't know. I thought you were going to say, like, I'm going to do something I've always said I'm never going to do and go to Times Square. <laughs> no, I don't think you can, actually. I think it's kind of, like, blocked off. And Are you have to pay for it? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's what I mean. I've heard some crazy mm. stories about people working in office buildings being like, you know, whatever people need on that night doing temp work or whatever. And so they're like in the buildings around Times Square getting really drunk and watching everything from up high. That sounds kind of cool, but it also sounds like, you know, I'm not going to go. 
I I'll take it. I'll take that kind of thing if it's offered to me in my temping for money work. But it's like, uh, I don't know. I'm not not a huge fan of the way people treat you when you are their servant. But you are excited for Obi Wan. Yeah. yeah, I don't know why. I think it was just something because. I actually like The Phantom Menace a little too much, and Revenge of the Sith is so dark, I think whatever it was was like, I think Attack of the Clones is the right amount of silliness that I want while I eat some pizza. That's that's fine, like, I, I can't, I, I don't fight about the Star Wars prequels anymore, like, you know, like... It's just, it, like, you know, I, I don't fight about Star Wars anymore unless it's someone saying, why would I watch Andor? In which case, I'm like, no, don't, don't dismiss it, it's God. But, um, Tiger Clones is the worst. I mean, that's all I'm going to say. Is, it is, well, <laughs> you, you do you. I think it's the second worst. But. After Tross? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but. It's fun to say just the title like that. It's also, Tross. it's also the one that came out when I mean, I mean I guess we both were about that age so all of it gives me that like young person sense memory that we've talked about a little bit like all the colors and situations and memories of lego sets and things like that so i guess i guess there's that reason too because like i i just like phantom menace too much and revenge of the sith is just more dark than i want and like if i want to watch a dark film i'll watch an actual dark film but i just want like you know, Attack of the Clones. It's got to be nice. Yeah. So. Very cool. Yeah, I'm kind of debating I'm about. I'm going to prom. Hmm. Uh, what were we gonna debate about? Whether I actually make the pizza or if I like buy a DiGiorno's thing because that was that. Get Tostinos. No. Because few things okay. are better than a DiGiorno's Supreme, but I have the power to make pizza because I'm a grown man. Sorry, I just remembered something that happened at work this week. Yeah, spill it. Um, all right, I, I usually stray away from telling stories about the kids, but I won't but this say idiot. names. Oh Time wait, to this dunk actually on happened. This, guy. this actually happened before Christmas. This happened last week. I just forgot about it um, until today. Um, we have a kid who I don't normally have because it's the holidays, mm-hmm. and we were doing superhero designs. And you know, it's like the kids Drake make their own superhero. They go up there and they explain it, and then they ask questions about it which is kind of why i bought the thing about like my superpower would be going into people's dreams and messing with them um i always put on the evil voice when i have to like describe that mm-hmm. um but this kid goes goes up there and explains his superhero he's like yeah it's a it's um like and he, he's like you know like this is the power blah blah it's like god level power blah 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 you know because like thor and then <laughs> any questions kid raises their hand calls on the kid the kid goes yeah, you said your superhero was god-powered. Does that mean it can fight other gods, or can it kill the god? <laughs> and I'm just like... <laughs> immediately like, oh great, the first question is, can you kill god? <laughs> this assignment did not go the way I thought it was going to. Uh, but yeah. Um, Why did they have to present it and then give like and receive feedback 
Because I, well, because it was like, you know, you wanted to add, like, you know, kids, kids don't say anything. They go up there, they're like, this is my superhero. He has the power. This isn't anyone. Uh, actually, I just realized I'm make a pun, so I'm going to go for it. And I was not touching. I was going to say, this is dog, man. He's my superhero. He's got the power of the dog. He's, uh, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> but it's like, and then it's like, you raise your hand, like, okay, so who's their enemy? Who, like, you know, and it makes the kid have to think on their think feet kind of and like say like well this is what it does or you get a kid who's nervous like oh and you're like all right you can sit down <laughs> that's fun so um but i'm going to prom on new year's currently what is what so, what do you mean it's, are you, it's called trashy prom um it's a house party where i was told i have to dress up and i asked my friend who invited me I'm like do i actually have to dress up and they're like no my fiance is just wearing a uh, polo you should be fine with just a polo and i'm like okay I don't really want to go home. I don't want to tell my dad, bring me my suit from Indiana. So that is fine by me too. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm going to trashy prom on New Year's because my other options that I had was, well, first I tried to invite myself along to Julius's and Julius is spending New Year's with his partner alone, which is totally fine. Very respectable. So then... My other thing was I talked to a coworker trying to invite myself along. They're like, yeah, you can come. We're going to the Drake. I'm like, mm, I don't want to have to spend like, cause they're like tickets are $230. I'm like, mm, I don't want to spend that much money to have to dress up on New Year's and hang out with a bunch of people I don't know that are like not all my age. You know what I mean? Like it was like a normal mixer of like everyone my age. Sure. But I feel like it's something where it's like very possible I'm going to be the youngest person. Like me and my coworkers are going to be the youngest people there. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so then it was like, as a friend, I was like, my other friend, I'm like, do you have plans for New Year's? They're like, yeah, I'm going to a trashy house party team there on prom. I'm like, can I come? They're like, yeah, that's great. Sounds good to me. I'm like, cool. 100% down for that. That's a cool deal. We'll see how it goes. I might just leave after midnight like I normally do. That's a good thing to go to anyway. I think that'll be fun. Should we do but games? Yeah, trashy prom New Year's. Yeah. Letterboxd game. game. Yeah, we have a very exciting announcement. Are you ready to make my very exciting announcement? I'm super hyped. So, Mark has been sad recently. He has seasonal depression, much like Charlie Brown, according to the Charlie Brown Wikipedia page. Um, yes. And, this is all true. And this is all because we played the Letterboxd game, and actually, you know what? I was listening back to the, uh, not not the Avatar episode, but the Charlie Brown episode, and it's gotten to the point where he will throw out guesses because he just wants to get to the answer because the hints aren't good enough. So we are renovating the letterbox game to have more hints. Okay? Yeah. Well, so, I, I was aware of this, and I also brought it up. It wasn't, you know, I can't, I can't let this stand that you were listening and you were like, I must have pity on the boy. Like yeah, oh yeah. Mark, Mark did I, ask. I him, was like, ever, I feel, I feel like there Mark needs was like, to we're gonna cut the game or fix it, and I was like, all right, I'll fix it. They're, they're just, <laughs> I just, I just want some tweaks. I think that you're right about it having a a place here, but let's try this stuff so, out. So the letterbox game. This is gonna be the first time I ever read the actual like, <laughs> the actual plot description. <laughs> so at the very beginning of our podcast, we wrote down the rules of the games in our doc. And I never use it. But since I have new rules, I have it open. So I'm going to just read what we wrote many years ago. And by many years ago, I mean like six, six months, months ago, ago, seven months ago. 
The Letterboxd game, where we try, we, Mark, tries to guess movies based on films that Letterboxd says we might also enjoy. So if Letterboxd recommends Friday the 13th and Nightmare Before, Nightmare on, <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street, not Nightmare Before Christmas, uh, Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street at the bottom of the movie page, the movie might be Halloween. We'll start with listing five recommended movies, none of which is sheriff, director, or franchise with the original movie. Dang, you know, I should read that. It is so much quicker than what I usually, like, flounder around. Anyway. Yeah. Um, I, I wrote I wrote that like back when. I do think I I, I want to change the recommends though. I want to make it more like Toy Story, like more Pixar thing. Like maybe like like so if it says the toy that saved Christmas and the vet, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like we'll, we'll tweak it. Maybe I'll start using this. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe that can be my new resolution. Maybe maybe, maybe maybe we'll never hear of this again. Who? I don't want to yeah, impose anything. Possible. Let's go with the flow. So much like always. The first guess, after first guess, markets no help. After second guess, markets the year. This is where we're tweaking things. On the fourth guess. What about the third guess? After the fourth. I said that already. I said after the first guess, you get no help. After second guess, you get the year. After the third guess, guess, that's where he will now get five additional movies. Ah. Um, the continue with, of course, the rule of no director or franchise shared. Then on the fifth, if he still doesn't get it, the next thing he'll get as a hint is he'll get the actor that is billed according to Letterbox, but correlated to the number of movies he hit correctly in the top 25. So if he gets three films in the top 25, he will get the third billed actor at this point. If he has hit a billed actor in every single one of the top like he's if he's hit something in the top twenty five of every single guess, he will get I believe this would be the fourth one. The fourth actor. Um and then finally if he still doesn't get it after that, he will get the director of the film. Alright? Mm. Although granted, I will point out now that getting the director of the film when you already know the year of it is basically a gimme. So Really Well that's why that's it. why I recommended that one because on the last guess, like you should get it. Yeah. That's, but, yeah, 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 I get it. No, I'm having like, but actually, no. <laughs> All right. So, for the new letterbox game, are you ready for this? Yahoo! All right. These are. Oh, and also now, instead of us picking randomly, we're just going to do the 10 selections of films that are. And it's supposed to be the most recent, but again, I just kind of keep a running list, so we're still like back in October with these because we've been having special episodes. Um, so the first 10 of these from whatever slate in October I went through, and these are the top three most popular according to Letterboxd. We'll start with the most popular and then go down. Okay? Yeah. So your five films are Eyes Wide Shut, Fight Club, Mother! Exclamation point. Persona, Donnie Darko. Have you seen The Whale, finally? Is that your guess? Yeah. No, I told you these were back in, like, October or November, so definitely not. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is not it, but I don't know. It's A Woman Under the Influence. No. And I forgot to say, The Whale is not in the top 25. Is A Woman Under the Influence in the top 25? Because I don't know what the poster for that looks like. No, it is not. So next you get the year. 2012. Mm. Is it the King's Speech? 
Nope. That is a 2010 movie. Mm. And The King's Speech is not in the top 25. So now you will get five additional movies. And because of how much additional stuff we're adding, every time after I... I'll just recap and then I'll give the five additional movies. You understand? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so as a reminder, this is a film from 2012. The original five related films are Eyes Wide Shut, Fight Club, Mother, um, Persona, Dying Darko. Your next five are The Tree of Life, The Fountain, which, by the way, before I continue... Mother would have knocked out the whale anyway because of Darren Aronofsky, but whatever. Uh, Thank you. Tree of Life, The Fountain, Love Streams, Holy Smokes, and 21 Grams. Well, it's interesting that Love Streams was there. That knocks out the John Cassavetes. Children of Men? Nope. Children of Men is not in the top 25. So now you will get the top-billed actor because you never hit anything in the top 25. The top billed actor in this film is Joaquin Phoenix. The Master. Yes, it is The Master. Yay. I had to remove Magnolia and There Will Be Blood okay. from the original five. So, yes. There you go. Cool. Ready for round two? Yeah. All right. Your five films are Mary and Max, The Royal Tenenbaums, Manchester by the Sea, Punch Drunk Love, Waking Ned Devine. Oh, I guess it's just titled Waking Ned, but the poster says Waking Ned Devine. That's weird. I think Waking um, Ned yeah. Devine is oh. is the full name. Well, Letterbox has it listed as the name of the movie being Waking Ned. So is it Banshees of Inisherin? Yes. Ahu. Adrenaline Bruges. Okay. You ready for the last one? Yes. All right. Your five films are Hereditary, The Ring, Lights Out, Paranormal Activity, Oculus. Hmm. Smile? Yeah. Okay, great. I was not sure if I had already guessed Smile. Yeah, it is Smile. Dang. Okay. This game is too easy now. Well... You saw it. I, no, I'm it, kidding. It I'm was joking. palpably more fun because of the different hints, but I do. I wonder if maybe the the popularity of the films was kind of a gimme. I don't know. I don't know. I like, well, I like that this direction the other, it's going in. If you want to know what the other ones that would have been popped, because I'll be removing them from the algorithm, these are the remaining ones in order of popularity would have been Black Adam, Decision to Leave, Halloween Ends, Eight Mile. Uh, is that it? Armageddon Time, Till, and then Paid in Place. What'd you think of Armageddon Time? I have never seen a James Gray film. Bro, he's a good filmmaker. I say having only watched his, like, three most recent films and of his old stuff. Uh, I think Armageddon Time is really interesting. I know that's, like, one of those things where someone's like, it was interesting. But I think Armageddon Time, I really enjoy the first, like, honestly like three-fourths of it and then the ending takes like a turn where i'm like oh i guess i understand what this movie is going for but i don't really know if it's been tackled right but i kind of appreciated that it tried like it tried the way it did okay i won't pry about i feel what like that if is. it was um if it, if it had like an actual like oscar push it would be being called the green book of this year but i think that's a disservice to it because i think although it does have weird racial elements to it i think it always like 
is comes from a place of self-loathing from James Gray. So it's like, okay, like, this is interesting. But, yeah. Okay. That was good. Cool. Hopefully it gets on uh, Peacock soon, because it's a focus film. So it should be on Peacock soon. Mm-hmm. Along with Tar. Although, uh, maybe they'll keep Tar out longer, because Tar will actually be like successful at the Oscars. Is Is Tar going to be on Peacock? It's a focus film, so yes. R.I.P. Yeah. I will never see it. Focus. All right. Well, here we are. That's our episode, guys. Thanks for. Thank you. (laughs) No, no, no. We have a. I'm. I. I. I don't remember if I said on mic. I watched the short film that we did today. I watched it four times before we got on, and it was that was just because of my own like. I enjoyed it that much, so. I'm very excited to talk about Strasse der Specialistinnen. Now, I will say this about Strasse der Specialistinnen is that I don't really know what it is. Uh, I'm at such a loss at what it is. I can't really find information on it. I have information. Great. I'm glad you found it because I am at a loss, even though I too enjoyed it. While also being very like, what is this? Because I don't actually think it is a VR short, even though I kept calling it that. Yeah, I wondered about that. And I wonder, it's because the director went on to make a lot of VR shorts. And I wondered if that was like you were combining. It feels bits more like maybe like an art installation. Yeah, that's what it was. Um, oh, it was art? That checks out. Yeah, let me, it's a good let me drop some, let me drop some uh, website description on you. So this comes from the production company, which animated it. Uh, which was called is is called Studio Soy, and they have worked on many things. They worked on the Adventures of Gumball, and that sort of thing. Oh, yeah. good for them! Yeah, good show. So, sh- well animated show at least. <laughs> Go on, sorry. Well, it's interesting because like this company and the director too. It seems like they do a bit of that, like combining live action and animation kind yeah. of thing. So, Strasse der Specialisten, and I, I gotta say the last one word, Specialisten, Specialisten, Strasse der Specialisten, which is Street of Specialists, had its premiere at the Humboldt University in Berlin as part of the exhibition, yada yada yada. It is a five-minute, um, three-screen installation. So, we watched a YouTube video which presented all three of those screens and when they would fade in and out on a black background. And it is surreal. I think that's kind of reductive, but it's a surreal story about a robot that is in a field with a car. He lights a match, then drives away in the car, and then the car drives off a cliff, and he seems to have this... It seems like it's the language of how it's presented tells me that it's like a vision or something like that, where he sees himself in the car in a city, and he's, like, doing human movements. Like, he's a humanoid robot, but he's, like, posing yeah. like a human. And then we come back to him going off the cliff, and the car drives forward, and it crashes into, like, a, this robot woman. But before it crashes into the, her, she and the robot guy both transform into like an old man and a young girl and then they hug and then that's the end of it and 
it has a it has a dope soundtrack. It's like dun da da. Uh, it's I can't really do it right, but I loved it. Um, I think I could watch it four more times. It just is exactly my kind of like. There's a little too much to absorb on a first watch because. I mean, it, yeah, it feels definitely like an art installation where it's like, ooh, I want to see that again, you know, and see what I missed. Yeah. Let me sit in this gallery for, like, ten minutes and just watch it on loop. Yeah. I I watched, oh. like, different screens on different watches and things like that. Yeah. One of my faves that we've covered. I read it more as, like, and I was just, like, such a cheap thing for people to do when they watch, like, anything. And they're like, this is purgatory. But, like, I definitely get the purgatory vibes from this. No, yeah. You know? I, I feel that, too. But go on go on, and, and kind of vocalize about that. Well, it was more like at the end, it's like, ah, you did it. You made it to heaven type of thing. And here's the person you love type. And then it's like also, you know, he dreams of his life when he's on the train exploding it. It also, like, took me forever to figure out, like, what the, like, Diary of a Wimpy Kid asked figure was and then i realized oh it's i mean it's kind of obvious it's not like you realize it but it's like ah it is the uh little bobbly thingy in the uh rear view mirror oh oh my gosh i love that moment that is such a like it could not be done in another medium type thing and also just like i love that we're talking about a shot in the movie where it there are three screens and on one screen you have the robot doing this thing in the field and then in the middle screen this little man in a tux shows up and it's all kind of 3d animation so it all kind of looks the same amount of unreal but there's just this 3d little business suit man who's just hanging out on the middle screen and like a black background that you don't really get it and then in another screen you see the robot get into a car and then his giant face becomes comes behind the man and then you realize the man is a window ornament that's such a nice little like visual yeah, I mean, like... It's, an, it's such a nice image. It's great. Um, I feel like we did forget to say something that was very important. Mm. This episode... It's a detour! <laughs> That's <laughs> this right. This is not a Pixar art installation. That's right. Um, this is a art installation co-directed by Sashka uh, Unseld. Uh, hopefully did not butcher the pronunciation... So I will get it right by the time we reach the Blue Umbrella. Um, the Blue Umbrella is a short film that Pixar eventually attaches to Monsters University. But, you know, that person qualifies as a Pixar director. They qualify. Yeah. So they, they, they qualify for the detour. And a perfect example of how, you know, Martin Scorsese and Spielberg have the right idea by watching every movie. Because I've never seen Monsters University but I would have loved to have the go down the rabbit hole of the guy that directed The Blue Umbrella to find this movie. Well, what I will say there is going to be withheld until we talk about The Blue Umbrella, because I have takes on that short. Oh my. Yeah, I yeah. watched it to educate myself, but I realize we can't really talk about it yet. So. Yeah, it's, it's, um, why do, I don't know, I actually, to briefly talk about it now, just very briefly is whenever I think about that short, I think about why did they have to give I just remember this discourse when the How to Train Dragon 3 trailer came out, and there was a very loud portion of Twitter just going, Come on, 
why does Toothless have to have a girlfriend? I thought he was gay. And <laughs> that's what I think about when I think about the Blue Umbrella. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's there's so much great about that short, and it's basically like, like fundamentally, it's whatever. But never mind all of that. Yeah, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Yeah, I mean, it's no surprise that some random short is about boy meets girl. That's why this is so exciting, because it's about robot driving a car off a cliff and then dancing. <laughs> I just, I don't know why, but to me what I like is, there's some moments of this where it's like, I mean, I get that it's an art installation, so it's not as surprising, but like, when it reveals just like, the explosion and like that, that thing fades out for a second and you're like, wait, what? And then it just cuts to the like, runaway shot of like the guy trying to outrun the fireball. Mm-hmm. And um, I actually, to be clear, I actually have it open in the other window right now because I did not watch it four times, so I'm feeling outclassed. Um, so I have it open. Uh, this actually, the animation saw this like it gave me the intense member berries, the uh, the ratatouille. We, did, we this is not a South Park podcast. I have to say the ratatouille or the looking for the oceanness of it. Um, where, um, as a child. This is Danny's. We should um, you know, Infinity and Ferb, where like they always play the same music for Doofenshmirtz backstory. I feel like that is this podcast, but with me. Um, and we I was need... Doofenshmirtz for Halloween once, so this all it's all according to plan. Are you saying we uh, need like music to play during your reminiscences? All right, okay, hold on. Sidebar, because you did remind me of something I wanted to talk about that is unrelated to this film, but it has to be something earlier. But I do think it's relevant. Is I, the movie I was going to talk about that I saw yesterday that was really good was All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, the new movie by Laura Poitras. Mm. Um, and there was this moment in it where I always, like, watch these docs. Like, by these docs, I mean, like, the documentaries that play the AMC in summer that are like, this is Leonor Conan writing a song. And us doing interviews about how much Leonor Conan's songs impacted people. When I'm like, I guess it's okay, but I'm really tired of these documentaries where they play dramatic music over moments that don't need them. And then I watch, like, Laura Poitras, who's like, Kind of undisputedly one of, like, the greatest documentarians currently working. Because, you know, she did Citizen Four. And, like, has continued to put out, like, great movies since then. Mm-hmm. And it's like, she does the same thing. I'm like, yeah, but, like, she knows how to edit the subjects better that I don't mind this. And she doesn't do it constantly. But anyway, that that came to mind when you are like, we should play sad music behind whenever you play. <laughs> you give your backstories. Because <laughs> I, used, I used to be like, those are always bad. But then I watched the videos and I'm like, eh, no, it was okay here. Yeah. But... This remind so when I was a kid, I was not allowed to have video games. Um, but one thing that allowed me to get around it was when I was like seven, a friend of mine got a Game Boy Advance and they gave me their Game Boy Color with Pokemon with it. And my dad was like, well, it was a gift, so I can't make him get rid of it. But he can't buy any more games. So I played a lot of Pokemon Gold until my brother erased my save file and I never played it again because the thing was, it was like a complete save file. So it was really more like... I was playing the game around with, like, very high-level Pokemon, completely smoking the random encounters and having fun like that. You know, like, how, like, even now as an adult, I can put on Grand Theft Auto or the Spider-Man game when I'm at, a, like, my brother's house and just, like, yeah, I'll just play video games for a bit. I'll just go around, like, either, like, fighting cops in Grand Theft Auto or swinging around the city mm-hmm. in Spider-Man. And, like, if a fight breaks out in Spider-Man, I'm like, nope, I'm, I'm walking away. I don't want to do this. Yeah. But, but anyway... So instead of playing video games, I played browser flash games. Um, 
And this really reminded me both of, like, the Newgrounds, like, Flash movies that were good. Not the bad ones, but, like, mm-hmm. the good ones that you would just find, like... Not like Homestar Runner, because Homestar Runner was good, but, like, other, like, Flash videos. But more importantly, it reminded me of this game that I really want to look up the name of right now. In fact, maybe I can, but it was, like, this car racing game that was the best game ever. Because it, it was a Flash game that somehow, like, had memory. And by that I mean, like, you know, like usually when you pull, pull up a Flash game, it's always like, well, welcome to the new game. We don't, like, we didn't save anything for you, and you can't enter in codes to remember it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like it was called Max. Oh, let me Google. Car race oh, wow. game. You, that online. sounds familiar to me. Uh, Max off-road? Question mark? <laughs> Max off-road. That sounds close. Let's go to Congregate. Dot com 8,672 racing games. All right, please let me be able to sort it by community favorite. Or, yeah, we can do community favorite. Uh, no, but you can't do it by genre. Okay, next, next, next. <laughs> it's fine. We gotta find this. We gotta find this. We can keep this all in the episode. I think that's me panicking over, like, what is the name of this game? Um, how about crazygames.com? Driving. Is it Max Dirt Bike? No, it's not a dirt bike game. It's definitely not a dirt bike game. It's like a game where they had multiple different cars, and one thing you could do is you could press the space bar, and that would let you, like, do flips, and you would get, like, you'd have to do flips, because the flips put up your energy bar so you could, like, have gas, and if you didn't have enough gas, you exploded. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, I do think it was on addictinggames.com, so I'm on addictinggames.com, tag racing game. Giant hamster on I don't think it's that. There was also a really good Matrix Flash game, I remember as a kid, that I played all the time before I ever watched The Matrix. Mm. And then I saw The Matrix, and I was kind of disappointed there was no scene where you just blew up a hotel. Mark, this is going to be bad. Oh, the, first, the, the fifth thing is, five days ago, young woman killed by a police car in P- Christmas Eve horror crash. That's sad. I'm glad I don't live in the UK. I just live in Chicago where there are other accidents all the time. Yes. Come on, what is it? Because it would, like... Open with like I remember also it had like this logo at the beginning of it where it was like this guy with crazy hair and he'd be like warning don't show your parents this game because it might flip them out bro and he'd be like ooh are you sure and it was also like a seizure warning um it was <laughs> yeah are you sure Car it's not flip. Max Fury what is Max Fury just look up Max Fury just... like look at that. These images I'm looking at and see if that does anything to your brain. Is it on images? If I go to Google Images? Yeah. No. Okay. The game I'm talking about is a 3D racing game. Maybe. Hold on. There's one thing I might be able to find it on, which is my computer. I never bothered going through it, which might be why my computer runs so slow. I have the entire backup of my old computer on there. And I think I had it as like a downloaded thing on my old computer. So let's go to my old desktop and see if it's in here. No, that's my new desktop. Where is my... Where is my archive desktop? Uh, documents. Oh, saved games. Is it in saved games? No! It's going to be bad. It's going to be a nightmare. We're going to find out about this weeks later. Saluki Tech Backup. Maybe it's in there. The desktop of the Saluki Tech Backup. Wow, my hard drive is backed up on here. That's great. I found my uh, Adobe Premiere of my final films. Oh, I have the entire folder of the Coco memes. Oh, wait, no, that's my pan flute music from Narnia. Uh, All right, I'm going to I'm gonna say if you're going to you're, you're, you're veto if this. If you're reading your desktop, <laughs> we might have desktop. to put this one to bed for now. Listeners, if you can remember that really cool racing game that is 3D 
and lets you race and be cool and badass, please write in and we will appreciate it. Or, or leave, leave us a I'm comment. I'm going to keep Googling it. Leave I'm us gonna a keep Googling and it's going to drive me crazy. No, it's it's okay. So, it reminds you of some racing game that you remember from your childhood. Yes, and I played this racing game all the time because it saved actually as you played it, which is crazy for a Flash game. And you could unlock new cars, you could unlock new tracks, and it was like the two ways you could win. See, now I'm describing the game just because I know I'm not going to find it, but the two ways you could win was either by, you know, winning the race, but there were some of them that was like, no, don't worry. This race is too long for you to win. You have to win this race by destroying the other cars. I gotta I see that's really what it is, is if I could remember the name of like what they called when you blew up the other cars, I'm sure that is the name of the game. You know? <laughs> like Because oh, yeah. that was like the goal was like you're trying to blow up the other cars too while you raced. Yeah. And then it just called blowing it up. It was I had a kind of gimmick name, but Blowing Up Cars, the video game. It was like you could crash in them; they'd blow up. It was great. Yeah, it's gonna drive me crazy. It's, it sounds it sounds very cool. I I just yeah. We, we may have to. It's the best thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> how how does? And when this guy that was the thing was like the shot of the thing coming towards the camera with like the very like low budget explosion in the back. I'm like hell yeah! This is the flash game I played as a kid. He's gonna and then when he jumps over it, what you would do. Oh, Sorry, this would be the last thing I said about this game that I remember that was really cool, is that it could glitch. And, because the thing was, it would be like, you could go off these ramps, and you'd have to do these tricks with, like, you hold the space bar, and you move the arrow keys to either do, like, you know, like, 180s, or, like, the actual trick was, you keep your um, finger on the up and, like, a side arrow, so then it does these weird corkscrews that really fast, and that gives you the most, and be like, power to the max! Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe that, yeah, that's why I'm thinking of the max, because it was like, alright, now that I, this will be the last thing I go, is power to the max, Online game. It's not going to have Max in the title. It'll be like... Yeah, but people might be like, oh, I remember this game where it could be like Power to the Max. Yeah. I feel like maybe it was two X's. No, it's not. I think they came up with serious men and women of Reddit. All right, Mark, I have to ask you a serious question that I swear I will stop this detour, I promise. Uh, The the last thing I'll say is men and oh, never mind I don't want to ask this because I'm sure it would actually become a conversation it's when was the last time you cried never mind that's not fun anymore oh uh, <laughs> I mean I'll tell you when it was today it was today when Watching I the watched the Lord of the Rings <laughs> because I always cry at the line where he says parents shouldn't have to bury their children yeah oh I always cry at two towers during Sam's speech yeah that's why two towers is a five and the other ones are 4.5s to me mm-hmm well, I do cry in the fellowship when he says it's the farthest he's ever been from home. And then Howard Shore goes, Yeah, he's in the field and he's just like, He's like, Yeah, Howard Shore. I mean, wouldn't the Lord of the Rings movies be better if the extended versions just added whip pans to Howard Shore playing the instrument right next to them? Yeah. It's been a while since I've watched Return of the King. I'll have to report back about what makes me cry there. But, I mean... Oh, of course I know what makes me I'm cry in no Return man. of the King. Yeah, <laughs> everyone knows I'm what no makes man. them cry. There's, there's a moment in every... Those movies are amazing. Um, that's That would be my controversial sight and sound pick, is Lord of the Rings, Peter Jackson. Um, but I mean, oh, you just have almost um, take take a slot. Yeah, because I mean, like I don't. Those I don't. I can't really separate them 
because I I don't know it wouldn't be a real thing it's it's sort of like you know if I wanted to talk about movies you just kind of have to make make your own separate thing because I don't I I do kind of think that like it has to be more than just like the greatest fantasy film of all time or something like that which I think it yeah. is um but yeah no it's I don't anyway um great movies this film Strasse der Specialisten is not any of that technically it's not even a movie yeah well this is Doesn't much have a letterbox page mhm sadly this has Otherwise, I'd use this it. is much more like the kind of thing that I was very into before I realized I had a lot of popular films that I hadn't seen yet like this is the kind of experimental thing that I can just like really get behind and I I feel like this is this is entertaining but I feel like the form of this really informed how I thought about cinema as a youth with uh, like formal inventiveness and I think I prize yeah. formal inventiveness over like being compelling or anything like that but yeah well I just it, it it made me want to go back and revisit things like Stan Brackage movies and um just other other films about like this is just a long take and we're just gonna sit in a room for a while and this is what I like See, again, I put it back on again because this is something where I watched it once and you watched it four times. I like also just, like, there's this one shot where he's, like, pulling out the matchbook and it looks very, like, rotoscope. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Okay, I remember now what I actually was going to say. It reminds me a lot of, like, and I don't know, I don't know the production about this. It reminds me a lot of Waking Life and, like, that type of rotoscoping. Mm -hmm. A lot of it does. Yeah, it's so unbelievably smooth. And I feel like for 2004, I guess I kind of just assume it is rotoscoped. Even though, again, we don't really have the info. I don't think we do. If this was rotoscoped. I don't know that. I did also want to bring attention... What were you going to say? I don't know that, but I do... I think that this is all CGI. I mean, they may have had, like, a reference or something. I I think this was done with a model, so not actually rotoscoping where you draw over the frames or anything like that. I also wanted to before because I do think there is more to like talk about here, even though this is a short. Mm-hmm. Is um I do want to. <laughs> so this is on YouTube. Like a lot of stuff we watch is, um, and there's a couple of comments on the YouTube video. I don't know if you looked at the comments. I didn't go too deep. I did notice that the guy posting it said, "I don't like posting things online, but this deserves to be in the public domain," or something like. All that. right, so there's this argument on it. Where, well, first, there's one comment, it's just a bunch of hearts. Whatever, I don't care about you. And then there's someone named Kiwi Kirsch who goes, Oh dear, he had once given us the DVD with this video, but the DVD has seemed to come on readable. The, the, the viewer uploader replies, That's a pity. Then the guy who posted it replies, Actually, it looks like my optical drive might be dead. <laughs> That's kind of the vibe of this film. <laughs> What what happened next? Uh, is that the oh, end of okay. it? Okay, the next thing is like, well, I guess it was worth a shot. Mine's still kicking, but disconnected. By the way, if it just refuses to open, you can always just push the backup eject button with an unbent paper clip. Parentheses, it would be rubber belts drying out. My drive kept running di- discs, but couldn't open the tray. Final comment from the orig- uh, from the guy who said he had the, the DVD. 
The drawer's fine. I've already replaced the optical drive once, and I'm still having trouble with DVDs, both reading and writing, so I assume it's some problem deep down in the OS. Little pet patent, which I assume is patient, to try a fresh live system bug analysis, though. At that point, the guy, the original poster, never replies. Wow. You know, that... <laughs> what... That seems like it's dialogue taken from a... Sh you know, like, it's this old black-and-white Russian film, and it's these two guys seated at a table in the back of the bar. This is just the opening of Stalker, but the camera slowly pushes in, and they're talking, and this is the conversation they're having. I really... It's about <laughs> optical drives. <Yeah. laughs> I love that. We should, well, do a we should do a short film based on these comments. Yeah, and we're like, what is this about? And it's like, it's about Straster Specialton. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I don't know. I also am just like, you know, I again, I'm just kind of playing. There's a part where it like starts dancing on top of the car. Mm -hmm. I don't, I, I don't know. It's, I feel like in a way, we should just tell people to look this up on YouTube. Um, yeah. It's really great, but as always, when we talk about a short film, specifically like a short film like this, where it's like, oh my god, what is this? It's really hard to like, to me, really like, get stuff out of it i think it might sense. i'm just kind of more blown away by it yeah i think it was kind of interesting for me to think about and maybe we can talk about it why why does this film work what like if we can talk about why we think it's appealing of course that is reductive but it you know i we've watched a lot of shows on here and not all of them are so melancholy but they also have this action, and it's kind of meditative in it a does, positive way. It feels definitely to me like something where, and I feel bad whenever I'm like, well, it's because it's not a film. But, like, I do think a big thing of it to me is like, oh, cool, three panels, yes. Mm -hmm. My eye keep dying, like, going back and forth between everything. Please, like, mess with my head now. Let me pay attention to this. And then it kind of just ends in, like, such a clearly, like, not actually, I don't know if to me if it's really like emotional, but it is like intentionally trying to evoke something in the way I don't think the rest of the short is where it's like, oh, this guy was just trying to get home or was he? I don't know how to interpret this. We have no clear. It's also, you know, like, um, it's kind of like there's something inherently special always when you come across something that's like, what is this? Where did this come from? Mm -hmm. I assume this would be like the bad stripper short. Yeah. Oh, it's actually like this poetic museum piece. So cool that we're talking about a museum piece like on this podcast. Yeah. It reminds me of, um, not this doesn't actually remind me of it because it's very different. But uh, I want to look up the title because this movie is a movie I have logged on Letterboxd that I think is fantastic. And I watched it at um, our contemporary art museum. Mm-hmm. Because uh, they just played it on loop in a room once when I went there. And I was like, ah. And I remember I went with a friend. And we got in there like five minutes. It's like, yeah, it's an eight minute long short. I have it open now. It's an eight minute long short. We got, we saw five minutes of it. And my friend was like, that was like, wow. And then walked out. And I was like, oh, what are you doing? I want to see how this began. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. uh, you can go if you want. I want to see how this began. And then like. My friend sat and watched it to the beginning, like the first three minutes, and they're like, "All right, can we go now?" I'm like, "You can go. I want to see it all again." <laughs> and that's love is the message. The message is death. I don't know if you've seen that or not. That's a very good um, experimental short film. No, but good, good to By name Arthur it. Arthur Jaffa. Yeah. Yes. 
I have it logged on Letterboxd because it's a good movie. <laughs> it is a good. Yeah. It is very good. I think it's nice to watch a film that. I mean, I definitely feel the same thing. I really, I like, I like a film that makes me feel like I'm not getting everything. Even though, of course, at the core of this, you can tell me what's going on. I think we can't we can't ignore that it's comprehensible. I think that's something that yes. is not talked enough of in film school. Is that a lot of like great art films are complicated, but they're also like not very at their core it's pretty comprehensible um so that makes me think of when that's, that's what this podcast is really it's like that makes me think of when i was um in high school and i played that game where you know you make the movies and one of my high concept ideas was um i'm writing a david lynch movie but halfway through the movie he's shooting it in chronological order halfway through the movie he gets fired for going over budget and they hand the movie off to Baz Luhrmann and I remember thinking this is such a great idea and I read it now I'm like this is not a David Lynch thing at all because I never watched a David Lynch thing back then I just had the idea of what David Lynch was from cartoons rather than actually what it was the dog is walking in this room I need to slam the door on his face <laughs> oh, I thought I, I thought I thought that was your summation of what David Lynch films are like. <laughs> what? What'd you say with me off mic? Oh, whoops! I thought I thought you were saying that is a line from a David Lynch movie, which is like <laughs> typically David Lynch. Should we do our David Lynch impressions again? <laughs> you can if you want. I listened back to mine and I think it was awful. <laughs> I think mine, as always, is really great. That's what I said about any of my impressions. Like, I, I do, I'm fantastic. It's much like uh, my mouth teller's impression. Mm -hmm. Say that again. It's fantastic. Is that your Miles Teller impression? Yeah. Uh, you know, man, I gotta support you, fam. But I feel like you're David. Have you seen that clip from The Offer? I'm sorry, I don't know why I'm very all over the place. But no, you can be all over the place. from The Offer, um, where... There's, like, a woman who's walking on set with, I think, Miles Teller character, pointing out, like, the props, and they're, like, and they stop at the horse, and, like, she looks at it, and she goes, can you believe that? Something so, I should look up the exact quote, but it's, like, can you believe that? Something as majestic as a horse, but just discarded so rudely. That's America. <laughs> what? <laughs> It, it, I I feel like there's a I like that line, but maybe not for the reasons <laughs> that other lucky. people wrote it. Um, man, I kind of want to find that clip now. Watch the offer. I don't want to watch the offer. The offer horse. Splice it into the episode. Scene. Find the find the clip and splice it into the episode. We'll get content aware. The offer horse. What does scene. that mean? Uh, no, I don't want the actual Godfather. I'm just horse searching scene. the offer. That's America. I think the that offer, will find that's it America. easier. Oh, yeah, the people at home, you know, after you watched The Godfather, I rewatched it, and I forgot they have that sauce recipe, and I normally do not make a sauce with sugar, but I did it with, like, the red wine and sugar like they said, and gotta say, I was a fan, so if anyone wants to do the godfather sauce recipe it is a working recipe always remember my thing about tomatoes take longer than you think but yeah 
Yeah, I'm trying to Google this and the only thing that's coming up is I'm going to make a horse an offer he can't refuse. <laughs> it's like, great. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> well, that's weird too because I thought, I thought the trivia about that was that it was like a real horse head. So I find it hard to believe they just like had it around. That's America. That is America. I, I actually don't think that's America because America would have it in like a freezer because most you know meat is frozen that's what wendy's was trying to warn us about and i think that is the american way would be to freeze the horse head but you know who can say do you have a thought about that i think that it's better television to make it just be sitting there on the side and have a woman walk up to it to point it out to the camera what i think that's what makes the offer a good show is it a show i thought it was a movie no, it's a Paramount Plus series that lasts 10 episodes. Oh. Wow. Yeah. It's one of those things. So there's Paramount yeah. Plus, there's Peacock, and there's Apple TV, and all of these things are different? Yes. We live in hell. There's also Max. Hmm. Oh my gosh, Giovanni Ribisi's in the show. Anyway, Strauss, they're special to... Strasse der Specialisten. Um, so. Yeah, oh, the the end of my thought earlier was not just about it being comprehensible. It's nice to see a film that shows playfulness and solitude. I feel like this is such a normie feeling to have, I feel like, but whatever, you know, that you feel the pressure to have fun and be around a lot of people, but a lot of my life is like, I have to work on something in a room by myself. So it's just, and I feel like we have to watch a lot of films, which are about happy people all the time. So it's just nice to watch something about a guy chilling by himself in a desaturated city. And you know what else? This is not like a past thing, but I... Disney Plus has this series called Short Circuit, where it's like the, ex air quotes, experimental shorts of the Disney animators. Uh, none of them are really experimental, but like a lot of them, like I watched this one the other day because I was like, I'm going to start catching up on these because I, I like the, f I keep calling it a season is weird to me because these are literally just projects they did in-house they're putting up on Disney Plus like when they're done, but they, Disney Plus still has them listed as seasons of television. Mm -hmm. Um but I was like, oh, I like the first batch they put out. Let me finally check out the second season. Um, and one of them I was looking at, and on Letterboxd, was like, oh, this is so emotional, so great. And I'm like, mm, it's okay. But then there was one the first season that was designed to be a VR short that they put up on Disney Plus called Cycles. That I was like, oh, but this actually is, like, really heartbreaking to me. I like this one. That one to me is, like, because it's doing this weird thing, whereas everyone's like, this is an animated short that you'd expect from Pixar that has, or Disney that has, like, a sad premise sad thing but then it has something after the end to make it semi-happy mm -hmm. and i'm like well you know i i like the idea of it but it wasn't really there and i feel like this is there like i might not be able to fully say like what does this mean what is this but again that's kind of like this thing that's beautiful where it's like i don't know where this came from i don't know why it exists i don't know where it was even exhibited but it feels satisfying to watch mm -hmm. so maybe i should have watched it four times well i just i, I normally I don't it's just you know i was i had a day where i 
had a little more freedom. You had a Straster Specialton day. Who? What does Straster Specialton mean? Did we find that out? Street of Specialists. I don't nice. know what that means. That's special. I, there was a fun trivia thing that I think is worth mentioning. That it was produced, mm. or not produced, it was commissioned by a consulting firm, uh, McKinley and Company, I think. And I just am amused by that because I do not love that lots of money has to come from corporations and things to make art. But I've been reading a lot about the history of opera lately and how a lot of productions are only possible because of wealthy people making donations. And it's just nice to hear about something like that making uh, good film as well. Like, oh, it's not just this one random thing that happened one time. It's still possible. I, I will reply, but first, off the record... The reason I'm giggling is because that is my brother's job. You're like, some account, some consulting firm, McKinley? And I'm like, that's literally where like my brother works. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Can that be on the record? I don't know. I guess I don't want to dox him. but like... I mean, I, the way you were talking about it makes me not want to be on the record. It's like, how terrible these consulting firms. I don't want to be like, on the record, like, oh, my brother works there. Uh, Man, no, I, no, I don't. We, I don't think corporations. Can, you know, I I think that like, if so, if any one person has like too much power, that's not a fantastic thing. Um, well, that's what I was. Well, you can keep it on the record if you want. I don't care that much. Yeah, but my brother works there. But I special do connection. Also, a special connection. Um, I think it's interesting. Also, all you say you saying this all after the day I see all the beauty in the bloodshed which is partially about how the Sacklers have their, well, had, a lot of them have been removed, but had their names all over, like, these art galleries all over the world, where it's like, you gotta take it down. That's the actual, like, the struggle isn't necessarily these art people turning down money from these billionaires. The struggle is, are they willing to spend the money to remove their names? Oh, um, really? Is that what the movie's about? Well, it's not entirely about that. All the Being the Bloodshed's about a lot of things. I wrote my letterbox review of it. I'm really proud of it, but it's also like the most like college review I've written in a while. Because I think the entire movie, in a way, is about um, one of our professors. The, the one theory I remember from college is um, Camera Lucida, which I always think is very interesting. And the idea of like, well, cinema is what happens when you reanimate dead moments. Mm. And nan golden i don't do you know i i didn't know who she was before this but i thought maybe you might because you seem more you you seem to know like artists more than i do i've heard that name uh, but i don't i couldn't like she's a anything. photographer a very well off so the movie is partially like this is her life story told through her photographs mm. but then it's also the story of what's happening now for fighting the sacklers oh um well good for her really to me my, to me about the sum of the movie is it's it's like what does it mean to be a survivor and it's not about survivor's guilt it's about survivors because this is a, this is a, like obviously survivors mourn but it's about the mourning the mournfulness and for, and being the mournfulness of being a survivor and how being a survivor also means that you are a witness and how you must put what you've witnessed back out into the world mm -hmm. and i'm like i thought it was really great uh, I think it's the well, it's not really a competition. Easily the best documentary I've seen this year, but like also like very easily like one of my top ten movies of the year. Laura Portress was not even on my radar until like today. I think I saw her sight and sound ballot, and then you brought her up, and this has been a glowing endorsement. So I'll have to check her out.
Yeah, I need to watch System 4. That's really the movie. Because that's the thing where, you know, there's that trend in the, like, mid-2010s where they kept remaking documentaries. And everyone's like, well, The Walk makes sense. Well, this one makes sense. But then the, the Snowden one came out. It's like, but there's literally, like, a character playing Laura Portress in this movie. So, like, why would you bother watching this and not watching Citizen 4? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, Citizen 4 is literally the point of what happens in this movie, partially. Mm-hmm. So, so I should watch Citizen 4. Um, yeah, I think sorry, it got buried in, like, the Snowden content, which I'm well, not it, like. I think it was, it won the Oscar, which I feel like is unusual for that type of documentary, you know? Yeah. Like, I actually fully expect all the Beauty and the Bloodshed to randomly be snubbed at the Oscars because it's not really, like, what they go for. It's not really an easy watch, mm-hmm. but it's a good watch. It made me very emotional at points of it. Stroster Specialton, we, I think we both really love you. Mark yeah. really loves you. I really like you. But as is tradition, you did get a short film episode of Looking for the Ocean where, we're like, this part was cool, and then we go off in somewhere else. That's what the show is, guys. It's hard with soundtrack unless it's a movie. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I think this was a successful episode. We are going to be adjusting the format a little bit for s- shorts in the future. Stay tuned yes. for our 2023 yeah, adventures some... in how we figure that out. But are we going to give stress or specialton anything? Yeah, I'll, I don't. I'm gonna give it. I'll I'll give it. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it some of that Godfather sauce because I really liked it. I'm gonna give it some of that too. And yeah, I just really enjoyed it. It's worth some sauce. You know, usually on this show, usually on this show, we joke about what we're giving it and like give it something fun, like what Mark gave. I'm going to give um though, however, I'm gonna give this, um, and presumably all the directors of our weirdo films that are like this, a 4K restoration and a release on the Criterion Collection. <laughs> <laughs> just so we can watch them in better quality. Because I do think this looks very cool, and it's a shame that it's only on YouTube in 240p. Yeah. With no credits, too. It's like... But then again, it is also still kind of seems like, this is beautiful, it comes from nowhere. But this is like the type of short film that... I, I kind of agree with you. It should be... I think you kind of alluded to this. Sort of like, you know, people say the word surreal, and they don't really know what you're talking about, because you can't really... Like, film professors might not necessarily pick the right short film for this. I think this is a very good short film to show. Mm-hmm. for like that type of mood well i think surrealism is very broad and i also think it's easy to say surrealism and then you think about like dolly or max ernst ernst and it's it's like desolate and that's part of surrealism and i don't think that's necessarily true but that's kind of what i mean when i say this is surreal in that way it's very surreal in the style of those guys um so that's why I actually don't like using the word surreal, but yeah, sure. It's like, oh, I hate the word wholesome. Wholesome? Well, I hate that yeah. perhaps for different reasons. Have I said I hate that word? No, I hate that word. Oh, okay. I feel like it's a lazy way to like say, I like this movie. It was nice. Mm-hmm. Just don't, don't, it's just, you know, whenever someone logs Paddington 2 and just puts wholesome as their horror view, that, that makes me want to kill Paddington. Wow incredible yeah if y'all want some neat you know for all this oh, what yeah for all this paddington 2 hype we've dealt with for the last four years where was it on the sight and sound poll we made room for portrait of a lady on fire we couldn't make room for paddington of a bear i i did not get very f- i am not a huge fan of portrait of a lady on fire 
I didn't. I'm not, I didn't get I'm not very far either, in but it. I I I under. I should probably revisit at some point, but I remember I saw it at the Chicago Film Festival and I fell asleep almost during it. Lamau. And like I left it and like I was like, it's very pretty. It's got nice music. I like the ending, but also. I don't, well, my action. Here's here's the take I'll drop. Celine Sciamma. I've only seen two of your movies, but here's my take on you: is that Portrait of a Lady on Fire is in I believe an hour and fifty minutes and feels so slow and meandering, and I didn't like it. And it doesn't feel long in an epic way. It feels long in a let's let the camera roll long for no actual reason way. This is me, a man, trashing Stilinskiyama because I'm about to say that Petite Maman was in my top five of 2021, and that's because that movie is 72 minutes long. Ergo, with your pacing, it feels like it's a solid two-hour movie. Um, but I think it's very good. So I like Petite Maman a lot. Um, I believe that's on Hulu. Highly recommend to everyone. Some people are counting it as a 2022 movie, but I saw it at a festival in 21, and it technically had a qualifying release for the Oscars in 21. So it's on my 21 list, much like Memoria is. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Cool. Go see it. Yeah. And if anyone wants some cool surrealism, check out Leonora Carrington, who I've heard is sometimes uh, positioned in opposition to some of the surrealists who were more influenced by Freudianism. So, And Leonora Carrington is off doing her own thing, and she has a lot of cute critters as well. So that's a plug of mine as well. What are we doing next time, nice. Danny? Hey, you know how you were saying about five minutes ago that we're going to change how we do shorts? Yeah. We are next week because now we, you might have wondered, honestly, I, I'm surprised we didn't acknowledge it up to this point, is that logically our last mainline episode was The Incredibles. So you'd think we go to The Incredibles DVD, but The Incredibles, this, this came out at some unknown time in 2004 and obviously... The Incredibles came out in November 2004. The DVD did not come out till 2005. This wasn't because now, you know, nowadays, you know, Banshees of uh, whatever it is, is already on DVD, which is crazy to me, but whatever. And Tar is too. So the window is way shorter now, but whatever. Mm-hmm. But anyway, we'll be covering the short films on The Incredible DVD. And yes, that is films. You might know of Jack Jack Attack, but we're also going to cover three other ones. We're going to cover Mr. Incredible and Pals. Mr. Incredible and Pals with commentary. These are separate shorts, to be clear. They might have the same animation, but just to clarify for Mark now, Mr. Incredible and Pals is an episode of the TV, a short film version of the episode of the TV show that is based off the Incredibles and Frozone. And the audio commentary is what happens when Mr. Incredible and Frozone get in a room to do a DVD commentary and it's Craig T. Nelson and Frozone in character complaining about the TV, the TV episode. So we'll talk about them both. Cool. And then finally, we will watch an Easter egg short film that was on it called The Incredible Socks, which I will leave as a surprise to the listeners and to Mark on what The Incredible Socks is about. And just to recap, these are all included on The Incredibles DVD? Yes. Okay. Um, Jack Jack Attack will be available on Disney+. Plus. Everything else you need to find on YouTube. You can find both Mr. Incredible and Pals with commentary and without commentary on YouTube. I will say now that if the listeners would like... To watch only one, I recommend the one with commentary. <laughs> okay. But we will be watching both. Cool. I'm I'm looking so. forward to that. This I'm glad this is a nice way we structured it. Yes. So we will talk about all three next time. Probably most of the time we'll be on Jack Jack Attack, but talk about all three. 
All right. So remember, friends, otherwise, the government. Honestly, is... honestly, if you think about it, otherwise we took a full month of incredible shorts. Yeah, very, very wise of us to <laughs> well, go. Well, I this guess we one. combined the commentary one, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Guten Nacht. Still knocked, heilige knocked. Whoa, what are you? Alles schläft. What? Ein son wacht. I think I forgot the rest. I was trying to do something on that in German. Oh, cool. Great, all right, done. <laughs> Looking for the Ocean is produced by Mark Young and Danny Vincent. Our original artwork was done by Sarah Knopf, and each episode is edited by me. If you'd like to be notified about new episodes, you can find us on Facebook at Looking for the Ocean of Pixar Journey, on Twitter at Pixar Journey, on Instagram at Looking for the Ocean Pod, and on our website, lookingfortheoceanpixar.podbean.com. If you want to know what I'm up to or find me on social media, you can head over to markyoungperformer.com. And if you'd like to see all my takes on all the movies, you can find me on Letterboxd at Blankman's. If you'd like to hear me on another podcast, I also have The Snub Club, a podcast about film history. We'll see you next time. See you next time.